In the six months I have been dealing with this, I have never felt more comfortable with the diagnosis, if you want to call it that, and a regimen to address it than with you. This will be the first time I have done anything to try and treat and eliminate all these issues. I actually feel like you truly found the issue and can get it fixed instead of just a guessing game of what's wrong and trial and error treatments from the others I've been to. Thanks again, Dr. Kylie. John. Are you ready for results too? Start healing beyond the diagnosis and come join the membership. You not only get access to me on live calls, but you also get the answers to questions just like yours on my private podcast. This level of attention and help is only available inside my membership. So stop relying on late night Google searches and start getting the answers and relief you desire. I can't wait to welcome you in. Hey, practitioners, health coaches, docs, everybody who finds themselves in shoes like mine. The doors of opportunity are open again. Go check it out. We did some major upgrades and listen to your feedback inside the mastermind. Doors will open all of October and close November 1st at noon Mountain Standard Time. Come join us. BTDmastermind.com. Remember, as my friend Chip Gain says, Your purpose is just like mine. It's big and it's important. And there's no one else anywhere on the planet who can fulfill it. So quit messing around and go get them. Let's do this together. I'll see you on the inside. Remember, the doors of opportunity are open right now. What can change in your life, in your future, and in your patients' lives? Let's do this together. btdmastermind.com All right, let's get started. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, Dr. Kylie. Now, if you're like my husband and my brother and many others who suffer from terrible allergies in the springtime, just when the summer is calling your name, you have watery eyes stuffy nose, sneezing. I'm still working on the answers, but I found this remarkable article that will walk us through some of these unknowns when it comes to allergies. Because so many people, when springtime hits and they're ready to go outside, the world is beckoning. However, your eyes are itching and watering. You want to go back to bed because your immune system is having a maddening response to the tree pollen that makes you feel like you have a head cold. Or maybe it's the dander or dust, or you even break out on hives when something you eat goes wrong. Your immune system might not like things like strawberries, peanuts, or pineapple. There are so many allergic skin conditions, including skin allergies like eczema, respiratory allergies like hay fever. Those are the most common too, anyways, in, across Europe and the U.S., In fact, over 150 million Europeans and more than 50 million Americans suffer from some type of chronic allergies. One in five individuals live daily in fear of an asthma attack or a life-threatening allergic reaction. Now, just jumping to specific individuals in my own family, my husband, it's the, the pollen in the air. Going up the mountains in June, that can be a rough time, even though it's one of our favorite things to do. My dad breaks out in these crazy hives 
that we're still unsure of the reaction or the cause. And he's figured out that he can control them or minimize the hive reaction if he doesn't have starches like potatoes a few hours before or after exercise. So if he plans on exercising, he usually has to do it on a very meticulous timeline with how he eats just to be sure that the exercise, the change in body temperature doesn't cause an allergic reaction. Now he has a sister who has something really, so don't just jump to taking these long-term. Children are especially prone to allergies, but the food allergies is growing in adults too. In 2020, a review of this literature indicated that recent data describes food allergies may be more prevalent among adult populations than previously acknowledged, with many reported cases of adult-onset allergies, like food sensitivities. Now, we all come from this world of an elimination diet, where that's what IFM preaches, is eliminate the foods, eliminate the foods, get them out, get them out. Yes, they can help, but I always like to say it's not about what goes in your mouth. Your health is not determined solely upon what goes in your mouth. There's a lot more to it. The skin allergy eczema has been on the rise as well. In fact, it has increased worldwide over the past 30 years to the extent that it is now one of the most common chronic diseases affecting a fifth of the population in developed countries where they can take these statistics. Among children, 15 to 30% have a skin allergy, my daughter being one of them, still working on it. So with all of these prevalences going up, what do you do besides eliminate all the foods that we're so accustomed to hearing? There's pharmacopoeia as well. Medical mainstream doctors provide a tsunami of drug prescriptions from steroid creams, antihistamines, injections, inhalers, EpiPens, and so on and so forth. Remember, these are tools in their toolkit. They're only using what they have inside their toolkit. And let's be honest, the natural world isn't much better. What do they say? Cut out food allergies. Cut out the foods. Eat nothing. I mean, come on. Is that really what we want in our toolkits? We need to grow our own toolkits as well. For respiratory allergies, they can be divided into antihistamines, two different types. The first type being diphenhydramine, like Benadryl, and the second type being chlorophenamine. These labels, warning labels, often say, do not operate heavy machinery while taking this medication. A common side effect is sleepiness. Heavy machinery, I would assume, is vehicles. Some people say that they feel like they're drunk while they take Benadryl and even possibly losing consciousness. Why? The central nervous system gets depressed. Side effects are drowsiness, dry mouth, urine retention, possibly even an enlarged prostate or double vision. In 2019, the University of Washington found that people who use these drugs long-term were likely to be more diagnosed with dementia than those who didn't use them. People who took Benadryl-like substances for allergies for more than three years had a 54% higher dementia risk than those who took the same dose for less than three months. What about other ones, other side effects? Zyrtec can cause confusion or hyperactivity, restlessness and urine retention, 
Claritin's common side effects include headache, fatigue, anxiety, diarrhea, eye redness, blurred vision, nosebleeds, and skin rash. No wonder why some people would just rather suffer with their allergies than take the common prescriptions. Now, and I also remember when we lived in Oregon and while I was going to school, there were some allergy meds that you could buy in Washington across the border, but not in Oregon. So you always have to play those games as well. Leave it to Oregon to do what they're doing now. What you can now take by law versus what you can't take by law. Very interesting. What about this thing called blowback syndrome? Blowback syndrome is usually an occurrence with over-the-counter nasal sprays. They can temporarily relieve symptoms, but are the negatives, do they outweigh the positives? Blowback syndrome causes rebound swelling of the nasal passages, leading to addictive nasal spraying just to keep the air flowing. Given this example, and I've actually never heard of this before, so it would be, I'd be curious to get some response and see who has heard of this, if you're a practitioner and who's had heard of this or experienced it in some way, shape, or form as uh, the general public. One of these patients that they're talk, this author is talking about says that the patient bought a nasal spray, carried it with him everywhere. Within eight weeks of buying this spray bottle, he developed high blood pressure, shortness of breath, and chest pain. He ended up in the hospital in a full-blown hypertensive crisis with a blood pressure of 180 over 110. This ENT that he walked into says that this is a common occurrence with nasal sprays. Quote, the physician says, I'm not seeing too many people get off of it that didn't take systemic steroids. So if we didn't give them something like pregnazone or something like that to help them combat that rebound, it's really tough to get off of. What he's saying here is these nasal sprays can become addictive. And as a practitioner, he's found that when they are at that addictive point, he has to give them something like a pregnazone or a steroid shot to help them get off of this nasal spray. Here are some statistics for you. When medicines are addictive, they're easier to sell. The leading over-the-counter non-steroid nasal spray brands like Afrin make $120 million annually in the U.S. alone. $120 million annually in the U.S. alone. We could even go off on a tangent right then and there, but let's just keep it simple and keep it one tangent. Soda pops, they are dehydrating agents. So when you drink soda pop, You want to drink more because it's dehydrating you. Clever, right? Steroidal nasal sprays like Flonase or Flonase, sorry, have another set of hazards. They can lead to osteoporosis if used long-term. They can restrict growth in children and teenagers. In fact, Flonase has even been linked to glaucoma, but the common side effects include runny or stuffy nose, nosebleeds, cough, pain, or tenderness around the eyes and cheekbones. Fatigue, weakness, and back pain. In 2013, the U.S. Food and Drug, the FDA administration, began approving these steroid nasal sprays for over-the-counter sales. And by 2019, annual sales of these drugs topped 380 million in the U.S. So we're looking at one nasal spray making 120 million. The next nasal spray making 380 million just in the US. 
So what about food allergies? Like I said, we need to have more tools in our kit as well. Just eliminating these food allergies is not a place for people to end. I don't know about you, but food should be an enjoyment. Be part of enjoying life. Now, yes, you need to eat healthy, but you don't need to take it to the orthorexia extreme. If you don't know what orthorexia is, I have a, an episode called um, An Honest Discussion About Food, where us in the alternative world, natural world, if whatever you want to call it, holistic world, blame food so much so that people have become so stringent that they've given it a term, orthorexia. Go check that episode out. I'll tell you all about it. Cutting out the foods, taking an antihistamine when things happen, that's the centered method. For serious allergic reactions, the kind where hives are created on your skin, possibly even restricted airways, and dangerously plummeting blood pressure, you are probably going to need an EpiPen shot. 3.6 million prescriptions of EpiPens were given out in 2015 in the U.S. alone. I know my family members have them. I don't know how often they are used, though. Um, but they're definitely needed to stop those attacks. I'm not going to lie about that one. How can we add more tools to our toolkit? You can't talk about food sensitivities by themselves. You have to talk about them with the gut. And I know everybody wants to say, well, the gut is so important. Eat probiotics, add kefir to your diet. I mean, all these supportive agents. You can't. The last time I took a probiotic was when I was breastfeeding with Hallie. So the very first two months of her life, which would have been a year ago. Probiotics don't need to be taken all the freaking time. That is what the supplement industry wants you to think. Mix it up. Chances are your gut's better doing better than you think it is. Part of healing food allergies, foods, I shouldn't say allergies because it's more like food sensitivities. Whereas you get food allergies like peanut allergies. And if you're allergic to those and you break out, like don't eat peanuts or peanut butter or anything related to peanuts. But if it's a food sensitivity, now that's a different story. And the gut can conquer, help conquer those. Healing leaky gut is essential, but also healing the gut as a whole is even more important. And I have a three-step process on how I do that. The first step is to remove the bad guys. What are the bad guys? Well, you can learn what those are inside your normal labs, like a CBC. It's the best at knowing what bad guys need to be destroyed inside your gut. Then heal leaky gut. And step three, replenish all the good guys. And I don't give people probiotics forever. In fact, I give them two or three on a rotation basis for three, four months. And that's about it. Just get the good guys back in. Replenish the enzymes, replenish the hydrochloric acid, and all the good stuff. It doesn't need to take supplements for the rest of your life. And if you react negatively to probiotics, there's probably a reason why, and that could be SIBO, but also it could be just saying your body doesn't need them. So don't take them. Don't feel like you need to take them forever as well. There's food allergies and I sorry, I should stop saying food allergies. Those are things like IgG reactions with peanuts. Food sensitivities are I cut gluten out of my diet, I feel better. That's the difference. Allergy reversing supplements. Let's give a few of them. Zinc carnosine. In a 2020 review of studies recording zinc L carnosine, 
said that this potent herb has an anti-inflammatory and antioxidant effects. It's likely the reason for this is because in those research articles, they were used to heal things like ulcers and other GI injuries. In fact, zinc, Z-N-C, so zinc carnosine, is approved in Japan for the treatment of stomach ulcers. In another study, a one randomized controlled double-blind study within the Japan healthcare system, 258 people with stomach ulcers were randomly assigned to receive an eight-week course of 150 milligrams of zinc carnosine per day, 800 milligrams of cetrazate hydrochloride, which is a drug used to protect the gut lining, or one of two placebos. So they're comparing these three things, the drug, the zinc carnosine, and the placebo. After eight weeks, the zinc carnosine group slightly outperformed the medication in a subjective measure of symptom improvement. 75% of people in the zinc carnosine group said that they felt like they were markedly improved with their symptoms from those ulcers. And then the medication route said 72%. So they're really quite equal, to be honest. The difference in cure rate as determined by endoscopy discovered that 60% of these ulcers were gone in the zinc carnosine group as compared to 46% in the medication group after eight weeks. Another study confirmed these improvements with low doses of zinc carnosine as low as 50 milligrams twice daily. That's zinc carnosine for allergies, specifically ulcers as a treatment method in Japan. The next supplement you can look into is phosphatidylcholine or PC. Not much is known about how it affects every cell in the body. However, it does. It is an essential part of the neurotransmitter ACH, acetylcholine, which helps our muscles fire, basically. In one study at University Hospital Heidelberg in Germany, they gave 60 patients with chronically active ulcerative colitis, UC, a PC supplement or a placebo daily for three months. During the time, 16 people in the PC group achieved remission. So phosphatidylcholine actually put 16 people who had ulcerative colitis into remission. So you've got ulcers, we've got UC, which are very, very, very common GI culprits. And I, I have a family member who was just diagnosed with Crohn's and, and he reached out to me and said, you know, when I went to get my medication filled, a medication that they weren't sure what the results would be, but they were going to try this one first, $1,800 later, I decided to not fill it. So maybe one of these might help. But if you are dealing with food or gut issues of this extent, I would highly recommend going through the full three-step gut rehab, and then in addition, add these onto it. Because again, even if they're herbs, even if they're natural products, and they're still, whether they're getting down to the root cause, because it's not like your body is, is deprived of phosphatidylcholine, which has resent, resulted in UC. There's a lot more to UC than just a lack of phosphatidylcholine, if there is even a correlation. Now that herb can have some healing effects, yes. But if you're just taking this as a Band-Aid treatment to help relieve pain, help, hey, this research even says that it put them into clinical remission. That's pretty good. Make sure you're doing the other necessary work too to rehab that gut. Do it right to prevent 
flares or you see returning down the road. In another randomized controlled group, 156 patients with UC were given 3.2 grams of slow-release phosphatidylcholine daily. They reported 50% improvement in symptoms, and there was a 31% remission after just 12 weeks. What about foods that have phosphatidylcholine in it? They include fish, beef, eggs, poultry, and nuts. The doctor who was doing the research in these studies said that he recommends taking a tablespoon of liquid phosphatidylcholine with a protein-containing meal. So he's combining the food ingredients with the supplementation form. Probiotics. Strong evidence exists for the use of probiotic agents during to improve allergic rhinitis. Dozens of studies show how different probiotics can tamper down hyperallergic immune responses. For example, one randomized crossover trial, which involved 63 children with hay fever, were treated with standard antihistamines, Zizol, or they were given the probiotic Lactobacillus johnsoni EM1, a specific strain. And that specific strain showed better results than Zizol alone. And these results lasted for longer than three months after the probiotic was stopped. So there's, there's a key there. They gave the probiotic, then they stopped. They wanted to see what the benefit was as far as hay fever in children while taking it, but also when you stop taking it, did the results last? Yes, they lasted for at least three months when they stopped testing. So again, you don't need to take these things on a daily basis. In a 2020 review of the medical literature on probiotics and eczema, lactobacillus and bifidobacterium probiotic strains, which are the two most common strains of probiotics. If you check out your probiotic, I can almost guarantee you have strains of lactobacillus and strains of bifidobacterium in there. Inside this 2020 review of medical literature on probiotics and eczema, they discovered that the mixture of bifidobacterium reduced the severity of the eczema. And that was shown in 50 different children between four and 17 years old. And we're just getting into the gut stuff. The more we learn about the gut and the microbiome, not just the gut microbiome, but the skin microbiome and the microbiome inside all organs, it really is a fascinating topic. And I believe Dr. Shane Morris will get into that with us more. So Dr. Shane Morris is the one who formulates systemic formulas supplements. And he is a, he calls himself a bug specialist and he is a bug specialist. If you start talking to him about bugs in regards to specific microbiome bugs, you'll be there talking for a long time. And it's a lot of it, it goes over my head still. (laughs) He's that smart. Oral probiotics are also showing to help children with peanut allergies Australian researchers have linked the probiotic lactobacillus rhamnosus with peanut butter allergic reactions, where it has been shown to help reduce the reaction rate and the reaction intensity. But they are currently working on a large-scale clinical trial that's going to determine more of this with lactobacillus specifically and then the peanut allergies. We all know vitamin C is a great thing to help our immune system. Chill, you all know I'm a super fan of vitamin D. 
thousands of studies link immune system function to vitamin D levels, and hundreds of studies have shown how we are all vitamin D deficient, unless we are paying close attention. One study matched 483 asthmatic children with vitamin D deficiency. Children who had asthma had way lower vitamin D on average inside that study. Another one, vitamin D with hay fever. They gave in this study with children, a randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial of 100 children who were sensitive to grass pollen or, or hay fever, took the probiotic lactobacillus rhamnosus or 1,000 IUs of vitamin D daily for five months. And that was just a thousand. Imagine what they could have done with the right dosage, which a lot of people will ask me, well, what is the dosage of vitamin D for kids? And you're going to have to know that this is just kind of across the board, my guesses and my estimates by what I do with my own kids and what I've done with other kids, but based off of their, their body structure, not necessarily their age. So if you're looking at somebody who say my four-year-old, for example, my four-year-old is around 45 pounds. And he's just a brick, built like a his dad is Hallie's just a brick. <laughs> She's like 32 pounds or something. All I know is that they're heavy and I can barely carry her in my left hand. I have to carry her in my right arm because she's too she's too heavy. <laughs> she's just a brick. So based off of the four-year-old who weighs around 45 pounds, I would guess I give him. 3,000 IUs of vitamin D probably once a week right now. And in summertime, in the winter, I probably do that same dosage every day. So just based off of my experience with the high doses, considered high doses, I don't think it is, versus the ridiculous amounts that are described and, and prescribed, like 400, I, 400 IUs for a baby, like that Okay, they won't die with those levels, but it's not going to help the immune system much. Um, Hallie, I give Hallie around 2,000 IUs once a week. And like I said, she's a baby. She just turned one, I guess. Vitamin D, use it to your benefit. They even use vitamin D in eczema. Huh. Maybe I should be giving Hallie more vitamin D to help clear up her skin. I'm going to try that. 60 patients with eczema over the age of 14 received 1,600 IUs of vitamin D or a placebo per day. There was significant improvement in the vitamin D group after 60 days, regardless of the initial severity of their eczema. Again, that was only 1,600 IUs of vitamin D in kids over 14. You could have easily given them on the standard teenage body size, you know, seven or 8,000 IUs of vitamin D per day, but they have to stay under those stupid 2,000 IUs guidelines and so they did. Nevertheless, they still got good results. How much better results could they have received if they jacked the vitamin D status up faster? And how fast could you have seen those results? I'll be giving Hallie some more vitamin D more regularly. Her skin's about clear. She just has a couple of little patches, but she's had it ever since birth. Um, no, they're not birth marks. These are like dry skin patches. And they're doing, she's probably 90% better at this point. So we're already making huge progress, but if we can just get the last remaining things and I'm, I've been even seeing people apply vitamin D topically. Like I have a vitamin D three liquid that I highly recommend. It is the best vitamin D on the market between that one and the capsules, but you can take the liquid and, and put it topically 
And I've seen that really help. And so who knows? Maybe I should start doing that more religiously with my own daughter. Vitamin K is another one. Vitamin K and vitamin D are often in combination. Just don't take vitamin K if you are on a blood thinner. Next one is magnesium. Magnesium and vitamin D and vitamin K. It's like the triple threat, the triple combination there. Um, A lot of people will say you can't get the most benefit out of vitamin D if you don't have adequate magnesium levels. The vitamin D that I recommend, it's not just vitamin D. Like There's a reason why Dr. Shane Morris combined it with multiple other things. And the reason why I love it so much is because it has all the perfect combinations and it jacks up, it changes labs quickly. And not only does it change the numbers, it changes how people feel drastically. So if you want some top-notch vitamin D, as long as you're not on a blood thinner, go get some. And if it's the winter months, stock up because I can guarantee it will be on back order at some point. So drkylieburton.com backslash products or supplements, and you can find it under the vitamin D that's there. Vitamin D3. Herbal helpers for releasing allergy reactions. Butterbur, ginger, black seed oil, rosa levagata, and ginseng. Let me say those one more time. These are all specific herbs if you want to go into that route. I like combination of things, which maybe I'll look at this vitamin D. I don't have any right in front of me to see what herbs are included in it, but specific herbs to help with allergies include butterbur, ginger, black seed oil, rosa levigata, and ginseng. So there you go. There is all about allergies in a nutshell. I hope you learned something just like I did and stay tuned for the next episode. I hope you learned as much as I did from that discussion. Now, I'm in need of your help. I'm writing a book because of overwhelming requests. I'll be teaching you how to transform those normal labs into answers, healing, and hope. Whether you're a practitioner or trying to take charge of your own health, what questions do you have about blood work and labs? I'd love to answer those questions inside the book. To submit your questions for a chance to be answered within those pages, text 855-499-2555. Once again, that's 855-499-2555. Then stay tuned. You just might have a special place inside the Q&A at the end of each chapter. Next, come join the membership. You not only get access to me on live calls, but you also get the answers to questions just like yours on my private podcast. This level of attention and help is only available inside my membership. So stop relying on late night Google searches and start getting the answers and relief you desire. I can't wait to welcome you in. Get all the details and join us at drkylieburton.com backslash healing dash beyond dash the dash diagnosis. See you on the inside.